joining us uh, at this moment, and uh, we have a scheduled interview. Um, Alexei, very warmly welcome back to the Maria Report. Hello, it's very nice to hear you, and thank you very much for your invitation and possibility to speak. Uh, so, yeah, I... Uh, so probably I will speak about the most important topic. Definitely, is what's going on near the deeper river and this awful catastrophe. I've been uh, personally yesterday in Kherson. I saw everything by my own eyes, and I can tell you that it's definitely a, a catastrophe of a planetary scale. Uh, the water is still arriving. We hope that it will peak in the nearest hours. Yeah, and that will stop, but we don't know, we will see. Um, what what I can add is uh, that uh, we are now speaking a lot about short-term consequences of this, about how, I, I think that you already spoke about this, definitely, thousands of houses destroyed, uh, tens of thousands of people who are suffering now, like Kherson is without electricity, is without uh, centralized water supply, partly without electricity. The part of the streets are reachable only on boats. So it's awful. And the situation on the left bank of the river, controlled by Russia, is much worse. Because uh, uh, not like on the right bank, where Ukraine uh, tries to help uh, people and evacuate people, and uh, the government works, the local authorities, the charities, Everybody are doing everything they can. Uh, but on the left bank of the river, Russia is not doing anything uh, to help people. And the situation there is awful. The city of Aleshki, the town Aleshki, before invasion, it was more than 20,000 people in population. Very beautiful small town. I know it's very good because in Aleshki was one of my Gojirenka centers. Uh, which is our, our Gonchirenka centers is the biggest in Ukraine network of educational cultural centers, and uh, in the where in the English language we have church and other things. And in Aleshki we had a very good center, by the way, also with French and a lot of activities. And now, then first they occupied Aleshki and our center was closed. Now it is just they, it sunk, it's just in the water. And I have information from there, and it's awful. People are sitting on the roofs of their houses. Nobody helps them, so that is very bad. But all of this, it's a short-term consequences. Unfortunately, there will be a huge long-term consequences, and not only for Ukraine, but for the Black Sea, for the whole area. And it's quite hard to predict today what will happen. Thousands of hectares of farmland is under the water. What will be in this place? Will it be deserted? Oh, uh, there will be marshes on this place. Uh, what will be with the ecology of this uh, part? We just can't answer this question for the moment, but definitely that will be a huge, huge impact and definitely negative. So, and also not touching, I think that you spoke about the provision of the power plant, that is also very much concerning. So what we saw, to, to make some kind of a conclusion, and maybe if uh, anybody has any questions to me, I will be happy to answer. Um, that is a huge catastrophe. Russians again showed that they don't care, don't care about anything, about environment, about people. They just don't care. Uh, and, and that, uh, that's why we clearly see that Russians should be stopped as soon as possible before they could destroy the whole planet. Uh, 
Yeah, thank you. If you're interested in anything, if you have any questions, I would be happy to answer. Lots of them. Lots of them, Alexi. Thank you very much yet again for joining. Now, you posted uh, images and uh, anecdotes from Hassan. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the people reacted? Because the local population has been already escaping from the previous occupation, uh, briefly liberated, still under pressure, regular shelling, and now this. Uh, how are people taking it, and how is the civil society standing together? Yeah, definitely. Kherson is a real city martyr, and uh, first occupation, and very brutal occupation, and we know that in Kherson there were killings, uh, rapings, tortures, and, and that was awful. Then it was finally liberated. People were happy. I was in Kherson just the next day after liberation, and I saw by my own eyes these thousands of people just celebrating. But after these months of constant shelling from Russia on the city, uh, at the city, many people left. And now this awful ecological catastrophe and this, this flood. But taking into account all of this, I should tell you that the moral of people is unexpectedly high. Unexpectedly. Like, people are not in, the, are not in panic. People, like, try to hold the line. They feel the support from the whole country. There is a lot of support coming from, as I told you, from charities, volunteers. People are just taking their boats, coming to Kherson to help other people, sending water. And we are doing this also, because unfortunately we have this experience, I mean, our Gonchurenko Center's network, because we are providing water to Mikolaev from April of last year, because for 15 months already, uh, like, I mean, at the beginning, Mikolaev was completely under, uh, completely uh, without water. Uh, then some water appeared, but it was not of good quality. So still today, we are every, every day sending water and organizing water delivery to people in Mikolaev. Now the same to uh, try to do to people there. So, I mean, like, Ukrainian society again showed its strong, strong parts uh, and, and qualities of this networking, of this horizontal uh, things uniting people. So that is incredible. So people are, are holding the line, but I am very much concerned. Also, we should not forget about diseases. It's a summertime. In the water, there are bodies of dead animals. There are, unfortunately, I think, the bodies of dead people, too. And, uh, and that is very dangerous. Yeah, we, we had this discussion, obviously, throughout yesterday and into the night, uh, about the various consequences and the impact thereof. But if we structure this at the moment, there's a humanitarian relief action uh, ongoing on the liberated side, on the uh, right bank of the river. And on the left bank of the river, many, many Ukrainians under occupation are now stranded. First they were occupied and bereft of their civil freedoms and tortured and whatnot. Now they are, they are on roofs. And as we understand, yesterday they had artillery shelling. Uh, can you speak to this, with what we know about exactly what happened? Because we understood, or we were let to understand, that in certain areas along the river, the Russians shelled even the areas where refugees were. Today we've had various notices already that snipers were shooting at drones delivering water. 
uh, what I mean, obviously, you're not on that side of the bank, but what can you tell us about uh, what you know from on location? First of all, yeah, I spoke yesterday with our military people. What I should add, I think it's interesting for listeners that uh, I, I can't say for all military people and for all parts because I was just in Kherson. Uh, so and this uh, on the um, like our our forces are just I don't know hundred kilometers uh, on the uh, right bank of the river. But in Kherson, our military told me that during last week, so starting approximately a week ago, they 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 started to see Russians to to leave their positions and moving deeper into the territory, and they were. Like concerned and interested, what's going on? Maybe they thought maybe it's some kind of trap. Maybe the Russian needs more forces near the Parisia. I don't know. Maybe some 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 uh, movement of forces. But it looks like if to take into account these, and if to take into account the recent uh, week ago decision of Russian government to to stop any uh, checking of hydro uh, hydro. Uh, like structures or hydroelectric stations in the occupied area. So it looked like it looks like Russians were preparing for this uh, act of terror and ecocide. Uh, that's what I wanted to say first uh, about the military situation. Yes, being in Kherson and uh, um, you can hear the explosions. Still, artillery duels continue, and that definitely uh, and that definitely does not help rescue operation yeah, and uh, I, I don't have information like told that they are deliberately attacking refugees areas I should be frank with you but uh, but, but it's unfortunately completely in their style so is it possible yes but I, I can't confirm it yeah we, we have uh, confirmation from two other sources that they were shelling yesterday areas where actually people were trying to escape from uh, because they thought that they had nailed down, or seemed to have thought that they had nailed down Ukrainian SOF troops. Ah, so, yeah, that is absolutely possible, right. Alrighty. And um, as to the, uh, we, we saw today a lot of evidence, we had a couple of our friends from the space and the other some members of parliament who also, like you, traveling across in uh, in convoys, you already highlighted that the, uh, what I would call the, the hive of the, uh, um, Ukrainian civil society has come together extremely quickly, delivering additional aid. And uh, can you speak a bit about the organization? Are the various, uh, say, civil engineering groups, are they there? Um, how things are interacting, uh, how the atmosphere is between the parties, is there visible? Yeah, it's visible, and uh, I mean, and, and, and that's really productive. I call this also, yes, Ukrainian society is really strong. Uh, and and uh, again, we can see it, and we see like help is coming from many parts of the country, and people are coming to can do something, and uh, people are meeting uh, uh, displaced people um, in Mykolaiv and in Odessa. Um, so, yeah, already there is a decision about... Uh, Funding of Krivirik uh, and a uh, number of other cities who are now suffering also with the water shortages because of the destruction of the dam. And uh, there is a decision of the government to send money for some extraordinary measures there. Yeah. 
So yeah, we we are like always trying to do our best. How are the um, I mean, typically firefighters are the ones who are at the forefront, and there's a, there are a couple of technical services as well as well at hand. Um, how do they accommodate all the people? At the moment, um, we understand there are thousands of people who have to actually yet again flee their homes. Um, are they being accommodated in Kherson, or are they being bussed out to other locations? Some people are accommodated in Kherson. Some people are, for example, uh, yesterday uh, we took also like uh, uh, medicines and uh, medical uh, staff and equipment. And by the way, I want to thank University of Nebraska. We did it together with our venturing centers to Nikolai Oncological Center. And we were planning, it was before what had happened, also to come with this to Kherson, but because of what had happened, there was no sense, because uh, they, 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 the patients, uh, probably they should be moved uh, to Mikolaev in order to receive a medical help. Um, so, so uh, um, I'm sorry, I a little bit lost my thought as answering your question. So, uh, what you wanted me to, to comment on? No, this was really about whether people are being accommodated on site. Yeah, and sorry, yes, yeah, 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 exactly, about accommodation. So, part of the people are accommodated in Kherson itself, because in Kherson, uh, the part of Kherson which is lower um, uh, and which is uh, under bigger threat and bigger damage is not really like a biggest part of the city. There is also part of the city which is uh, far further from the river, and and that uh, that is possible to move people there. Also, there was yesterday a special train to Mikolaev, and also buses to take people to Mikolaev. Also, some people are now in Odessa, because there were a lot of private initiatives, like volunteers taking in their cars and their buses, people from Kherson uh, yeah, to, to, to Odessa. When I, I was living yesterday, I also took several people. So, like, uh, and, and now we also in Odessa, for example, we organized with our uh, with one of Odessa universities. We have a possibility to accommodate 150 people in uh, the campus of this university. So um, we organized it, uh, and now we're taking people who want to, to 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 use this. So I mean, like uh, for the moment, uh, we deal with this. The situation depends on. When, when the water will stop and when it will at least at least partly come down and after this it will be clearer uh, how many people really will need accommodation because many people they just want they are waiting that the water will go down and they don't want to leave their houses and and why would they have to uh, unfortunately yeah. only if water comes or shells are inbound now uh, these people along the bank have already been shelled for many months uh, and now they are being pushed out completely yeah. how, are the, how are those displaced people taking it I mean obviously we've seen a lot of imagery and photos of shock but at the same time also of uh, extreme resilience yeah that is a mixture of both uh, people like I saw yesterday people who were crying but at the same time, I saw people who were, and maybe even the same people, the next moment saying, okay, but we will deal with all this, we will win, and these bastards will pay their price. 
So it's it's both and it's mixture and but definitely people are full of emotions and uh, and I I think that's probably the most important for people they like Kherson region those who were in Kherson region before invasion uh, and those who are listening maybe to us now they know that this region was like a garden it was like a beautiful beautiful part of Ukraine with a lot of gardens with a lot of fruits famous Kherson watermelons which are known in the whole like I don't know Europe I think and uh, like it, it is very beautiful land this Aleshki I told you near Aleshki there is a Aleshki um, how it is called Aleshki dessert we can translate it like this that is uh, the only dessert in Europe so it's a very unique place all this area and it's very painful to realize that we can't say for the moment what part of this area uh, will survive. That is probably the most painful. Alrighty. Alexei, so how many people are with you currently? Are, are you organizing this at all or is it a larger group of people? Uh, you mean uh, doing what I told you? Within your team, you, you said, I mean, obviously your organization, the Carpenter yeah, Alive, is larger. Yeah, we have, um, so how work our organization works. We have centers. We have 27 centers in Ukraine, 27 after one in Aleshki was occupied, and three in Donbass area, Liman, Kramatorsk, Konstantinivka. We needed to stop their operation because of, of, of danger there, and Liman was also occupied, but then liberated. So, uh, so we have all centers in Nikolaev and in Odessa. In Odessa, we have even three centers. So these centers are the closest. To, to what had happened, uh, so the team or the volunteers and uh, which works in the centers, and it's like dozens of people all together because they have a teacher like of English language, they have uh, just uh, just administrators, just volunteers, people who are doing masking nets for army camouflage because we are doing all of this. So now all of them are involved in collecting the help, in in, in helping those who are coming. Yeah, so dozens of people probably can say. Alrighty, how long do you expect to stay on site and on location in Kherson? Uh, no, now, me personally, I'm already in Odessa. Uh, ah, you already? Yeah, me personally, I'm... Yeah, no, no, that, uh, you know, I'm already in Odessa now. And uh, uh, people, because it's uh, uh, like, uh, we can't stay there in Kherson. So for people who are coming there, they're coming back. Uh, to Odessa Mikolai. Uh but then uh, we will see what will be needed tomorrow yeah, and what will be the situation tomorrow yeah, and uh, we, we are not staying there overnight so yeah, I think burdening the city further would probably not be helpful in that regard now yeah all right um, what do you expect the outcome to be from your perspective as an experienced politician both locally as well as in the regions and in Parliament you have more than enough international exposure. I mean, when you traveled to Tallinn and we met here, uh, you've, you've been advocating for Ukraine. Knowing what you know, how do you see the world to perceive this war crime? How do you see this um, Russian atrocity uh, impacting the perception? Or do you think it will just... Um, blow over? Will the West act or will it just stare at it and be indecisive? 
Uh, that's a good question, and about answering this question, I, I will be your, uh, if you're not against, I will leave our, because I need to, to, to move to other uh, duties. Uh, so, of course. Uh, yeah, so answering your question, yeah, we see quite strong statements, but I, I want to see not statements, I want to see, uh, like, sanctions, really hard sanctions against Russia. Again, that is something which not only hurts values, which not only hurts Ukraine as a country, that is something which hurts the whole planet, and it means the whole humankind. And Russia should pay its price for this and be stopped. Just there are things absolutely unacceptable. If even some people don't care about, you know, like democracy, freedom, or international law, but they can't, like, ignore what's going on with the seas, with the air, with the food security, because thousands of hectares of farmlands are destroyed, and we don't know whether they ever will be again, or when it will happen. So, so that is so awful. So we need to see a really strong steps, not words. And I let it for the moment, waiting for something much more strong, much stronger. And United Nations meeting yesterday, I mean, it's, it's complete, it's a disaster. Again, this Russian representative, this Nibenza, in his Nibenza style, was saying all the lies, and just everybody should sit and listen to all this bullshit. And that is awful. Uh, and also we see how Russia, uh, like, like started all, uh, all their propaganda machine on this issue. We see Tucker Carlson again speaking, and now how many? More than 50 millions in Twitter. It's, I mean, and Elon Musk retweeting this uh, crazy video. I am shocked with all this. And, uh, and we need just to react on this. I made a video with address to Tucker Carlson on Twitter, by the way, if you can help me by retweeting it, saying just give a word to another side. Because even we understand you're not a journalist, right? you, you're a propagandist, but still there are some, 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 some principles. But, I mean, that is awful, uh, and that is very painful, knowing the truth, being not like a Tucker Carlson discussing it from somewhere uh, uh, very far away, but being on the place and seeing what's going on. It's so shocking and unjust that uh, I want to see absolutely another reaction of the world. Thank you very much. It was very nice uh, to be with you. And thank you that you are covering the situation. And please continue to, to spread the information. It's very important now. 100% Alexei, we will continue doing our work and you're always welcome. So if you have updates in the coming days of more news comes out uh, about both about the humanitarian issues and the likes, we'll be glad to cover it here. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. Alrighty, everybody give Alexei a follow and please amplify the message which he has already put up. That's much appreciated.